guys welcome to the uh, latest edition of the podcast after a brief hiatus which i'll talk about later uh, this is gonna be a two-part podcast uh, so this is uh, the first part will be kip and dave will be joining me and we'll be doing a little bit more of the nostalgia uh, trek uh, so we're going to talk about some of our favorite trips and maybe some of our least favorite trips uh, we'll try not to be too downer on that stuff but you know, there were, um, I'm sure there were trips for all three of us that were, I mean, there were some unbelievable highlights uh, and great ones. And then there's been some that were probably a little less than that. And I can think of one in particular in my haze that wasn't so great. So we'll talk about that. And then the second part of the podcast will be um, me mostly talking about uh, the recent uh, exploits of the MHL Cup. As you know, when uh, uh, the Caucasians have the cup, it tends to get around and it did uh, in the most recent past, so I'm going to talk about that. Um, but first of all, let's uh, uh, let's get to the the, the fun part uh, and get to part one with Dave and Kip and talking about road trips. Here that goes. All right, so how's it going, guys? Uh, so we got me, Kip, and Dave, and we're going to go back down the nostalgia path on the MHL and start talking about MHL trips. And we, we, we spent an hour trying to figure out how to do this, and we never decided how, so this is going to be kind of a fun, impromptu discussion. So um, we've actually tried to go back and recapture, uh, reconstruct, I suppose, all of the trips we've done. Um, and we think we have it pretty dialed in with the exception of a few. Um, and there's a missing year. So if any of you guys listening remember where we might have gone in 2001, that would be helpful. Anyway, so how's it going, guys? Good. Good. All right, so um, so how we decided to do this, I think we're just going to randomly pick a couple trips to talk about, sort of maybe some highlights of them. Uh, so we'll do a few of those. We'll see how it goes, how, um, how bored or entertained we keep ourselves. Uh, and then uh, we'll talk a little bit about uh, – uh, maybe some optional formats for a 2021 COVID season. So anyway, Dave, why don't you go first, pick a trip. Let's see where we go. Well, first of all, it's pretty impressive. There's what, 26 trips. Yeah. Something like that. That's, that's impressive in and of itself. Uh, let's start out with possibly the two weirdest or um, lamest places we've been Let's see if you guys agree. I think the worst trip had to have been Sarnia. That is one depressed Canadian town, especially depressing when we were there. And the other one is is Hamilton, uh, Ontario, is, is possibly the weirdest city I've ever been in outside of Jacksonville, Florida. <laughs> um, Hamilton is is just full of the walking strange and and demented. Uh, I mean, as far as bad trips go, those two have to be at the top, right? I think Sarnia for me is pretty high. I kind of recall when we were we were looking for 
you know, another OHL site that was drivable. And I looked at some photographs of Sarnia and I, I don't know, I don't know whether one of us created them or, or I found it on the internet somewhere, but there was this industrial snowbound city with the, um, the gigantic Star Wars snow walking things walking through town. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah. <laughs> and that's pretty much what it that's looked like. Right. Yeah. That's kind of how it felt. The other, um, as, as far as like worst one nights on a trip, it, it, you know, you have to go back to the Washington DC where we stayed downtown and literally left a bar where they had lots of beer and plenty of steaks. We were, we were urged to leave that bar to go find a good steak and then proceeded to walk around for hours and then hop on a, a train uh, to something called Adams Morgan. If it, I don't even know if that exists to go to another place with, with a probably far inferior steak uh, and just wasted a whole night walking and looking for the unattainable. Thankfully that lawyer never joined us again. Right. I think Howard insisted us going to Adams Morgan that if we wanted to find a steak, we had to go to Adams Morgan. I think that was Howard's idea. I, I, I remember getting off the train and, and being like there, we got out of the subway station and there was nothing. <laughs> it was just like, as if this night wasn't bad enough, we get off the train and there's nothing to choose from. It's like, why, why are we doing this? It's like in a residential area. Yeah. I think. Yeah. I think we were near I'll, the zoo. <laughs> I'll, bet you, cool. I'll bet you if we went back and look at the, the capital city grill, cause I think that's the place you were talking about. It was right across the street from the hotel we were at. They probably had yes. ribeye, porterhouse, T-bones, New York strips, filet mignon, probably in all three, all of them in like three different 12, 16, and 20 ounce configurations. They had nothing but steak on the menu. I think we Isn't ordered a fairly highly rated restaurant. Yeah. I think we ordered pretzels and then said, Hey, let's leave here and go find steak. Those were the, the low moments other than, you know, Dave breaking his arm, but whatever. Yeah. But that, I mean, I think that was, I, that might've been the walk part of the walk that Greg was telling, was trying to get his street cred with the BET guy. That was a pretty funny moment of that walk. That was early in that walk though. I think it, it was, it, it was not far from the Capitol girl. Yes. I have to agree that Sarnia definitely is, was probably the most depressing place. Hamilton, although somewhat depressing, it was actually kind of fun to sit there at the uh, Tim Hortons and just watch those people go by um, with, missing limbs or in wheelchairs or crutches. And it was just kind of um, bizarre what, what kind of happened to these people, you know. I, I would love to know the origin story of that city because I, I, I guarantee there, there had to have been a huge hospital for the insane that they just closed and let everyone out. <laughs> and those are the walkers and hordes going throughout that city. Maybe that rat nurse ratchet show that's on Amazon or uh, Netflix now is actually s s placed in Hamilton. That could be. Um, By the way, if you ever go to Jacksonville, Florida, not too dissimilar to Hamilton, Ontario, just so a lot warmer. So you were there right after this year's trip in Indianapolis then, right? That's where you went. Cause you and I flew, flew yeah. to Charlotte, right? And then you flew to Jacksonville, I think from there. Yeah. That's the last time I traveled for work was to Jacksonville. So I've it never, looks really, I've only it looks really through it. What's, what's yeah. the problem with Jacksonville? It, it's super pretty. Uh, there is like 
zero bars, restaurants downtown. I stayed downtown right on the river. It's beautiful. Um, and there are hordes of homeless that just wander the streets. It's like they own downtown. So it's a, it's a homeless person haven in Jacksonville, Florida, plus a lot of weird people too. So my, so my, since we're starting off on the downer side, so my worst trip, um, and it had nothing to do with the place or the trip was the first Windsor trip. Cause I was, I was not feeling well for the, for the trip. And then I was also, so physically I wasn't feeling well. And mentally I was in a, I was in the process cause 2008 is when I left my Chula Vista job. And so I was in a pretty bad place mentally in terms of, uh, the job and all that sort of stuff and what was happening next. Cause I knew my position was going to get eliminated and blah, blah, blah. So 2008 wasn't my best year, <laughs> but there was a highlight for me in 2008, but it wasn't about anything about you guys. And I don't know, somebody was with me. I'm not sure who was, but I worked with a guy who, uh, when I was in Chula ran my, ran our custodial group and he gave me 50 bucks to play roulette for him. And I ended up turning the 50 bucks, given the numbers he gave me into like four grand in, Whoa. Uh, yeah, I think in like 10, in like 10 minutes, it was like four spins and he hit three spins in a row. And, um, and that was, yeah. And so I, I don't even know if I texted him and I think I called him and, um, and said, Hey, guess what? Your 50 bucks is 3,400 or whatever it was. So, uh, that was, that was pretty cool. Kudos to you because we could have taken that and had a really good night. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, I mean, I'd imagine that Kip and Dave, you were, or no, Kip and Chuck were probably, but you guys were probably over by the, by the blackjack area, and um, not so much uh, right where where I was at the roulette wheel with him. But it was that was kind of a fun moment for me. But otherwise, it, otherwise that trip sucked for me. Kip and I had was a good that, experiment that trip. Yeah, that was. Yeah, go ahead. So we, uh, you know, that, that Sunday van ride home is always the worst day of the year. So uh, to combat that, Kip and I and Jean-Pierre stayed up all night figuring if you don't go to sleep, you can't have a hangover. And it, it worked for the most part. I, I felt great on the way home. That's probably the only trip I felt good on. Wow. I paid for yeah. it later that night. Yeah, I remember we were uh, at the casino late. And then um, I think we had breakfast yeah. um, at like four in the morning or something like that. Mm-hmm. And we, we had a little, I think we did a little uh, puck hockey or something. Yeah. A little tiny place outside the uh, casino. Yeah, and then we, we got back to the, the place around 6 a.m. or 7. We're like, okay, we're going to leave in about an hour. So might as well stay. Like, yeah, Jerry was in charge. So, you know, we we're probably leaving at 7. And by the way, that, that uh, arena in Windsor, probably the coolest arena I've ever been in. Yeah, that that first the original one? Original one, not that new one. That that original one was great. It was a barn, right? It was totally a barn. So just uh, to go on to Cincinnati, um, that was, Jack, you didn't go to Cincinnati, but um, for me, it was kind of like going home a little bit with uh, going back to where I went to college and everything so i met a few of my buddies from college and stuff so that was kind of a good trip for me just from a hockey trip it was you know uh, uh what the cincinnati i can't I remember some sort of like this yeah yeah might be it um so the hockey was marginal i know we went across uh i think uh, across the border to kentucky for one of those uh like three or four level bars that had just 
a lot of things to do on each each level. Yeah. Plus that um, that arena in Cincy, I believe, was tailored after Maple Leaf Gardens. It was actually kind of a neat looking arena. I don't know. I don't know if it's still around because that was what two thousand five. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, as far as a trip goes, it's you know not a long drive, so um, you know not not too bad of a trip. But I know Jack, Jack didn't make that one. Now Jack's uh, anti Ohio. He boycotted both the Ohio trips. Oh, you know, since we're speaking about down moments, the the hockey game in Princeton, I mean, I I don't know what they do with that arena uh, when they're not playing hockey, but clearly they're freezing meat. It's used to, you know, freeze cattle because that is the coldest arena I've ever been in in my life. Right. And was there – I mean, was there really a way that they could make it warmer? Because that wasn't like part of it, just like no doors or something. I don't know. It felt like there was it was enclosed, but there was just like, I don't know. The doors didn't close all the way or something. It was just, it was so cold. And did they just not turn the heat on or what? I didn't know what the. It was warm in the bathroom. Yes. Yeah. I remember we went outside and there was no change in the, in the temperature. <laughs> It was just as cold inside as it was outside. Yeah, I agree. Almost felt like maybe it's warmer outside than it was inside. All right, that's enough about the sucky trips. Uh, Let's start to talk about the good trips because there have been more of those, I think. Um, So go ahead, Kip. What's uh, you? You pick a good trip. Oh, a good trip. Um, Well, I mean, I, I think there's good pieces of every trip. For sure. Um, I think even the worst trips had some really good moments, especially with the amount of alcohol that we consume. Um, you know, it can make anything uh, a lot better. Except um, especially shark attack. <laughs> um, yeah, I think when uh, Jack sort of, sort of changed the game a little bit with bringing in some uh, high alcohol content beers from San Diego... <laughs> Um, was definitely a game changer. Uh, you know, we typically, you know, nine o'clock on Friday is our sort of leave time. And usually doesn't take long before the first beer gets opened up. And um, with those uh, high alcohol content beers, it doesn't take long to, to start feeling it. When was the first high alcohol trip? Mm, it, well, I moved... I moved back to Southern California in 2012. So I'm going to guess it was probably the 2013 trip. Um, because I would not have... That would have, be Guelph on the list. Yeah, I would not have... I would have not brought beer in. I don't recall bringing... I don't recall bringing beer in when I would fly in from San Francisco for some reason. because Mostly because the brewery seen while there were some good ones up there just wasn't the same as it is down here. So I think it would have been 2013. I think it would have been Guelph. Um, okay. That was probably the first year we introduced. And and I think that I'm trying to remember if I, I think I would send beer in I'm trying to remember how we did that. But anyway, um, if I was flying, if I was flying Southwest, I would bring in it, bring it in myself. I think there was a year or two where I didn't fly Southwest where I didn't feel like checking and pay for it. So it was cheaper to send it. But anyway, I think it would have been 13 and from 13 on it's been a high alcohol drive, which has driven Dave into driving. 
No, what, what's driven me into driving has been not wanting to stop the van to pee in a cemetery. Well, I think the lack of, I think the higher alcohol beer kind of slowed that down because we would, you know, like Kip said, we would start at nine and by 1030, we all had three. Um, with high alcohol beer, we start at 930 and we sort of nurse them through. So I think the liquid, liquid intake volume is much less. <laughs> firing, off, firing off a 10% <laughs> stout first thing in the morning is a little bit on the tough side. So, so since we think Guelph was our first alcohol, high alcohol content beer trip, um, I mean, Guelph was kind of a neat trip just because the name Guelph is kind of, kind of cool. Um, and, uh, parts I remember about that trip were, you know, the arena was in a mall. And so the, you had to walk through this, you know, Ross park mall kind of thing. And at the end of it is this arena. Um, so it was kind of interesting. I remember, um, you know, Chuck was, you know, in rare form and, you know, screaming at the top of his lung through these, this mall and little kids are like cowering underneath their, their family members and stuff. And, um, just kind of like, who is that guy? Was, um, so I remember that. And we have the similar reaction to him. <laughs> yeah. I think we were trying to get away <laughs> from that him. guy. <laughs> it was kind of funny. I think we terrorized the families around us, but they also loved us because you had Chuck terrorizing them and insisting on buying, what was it? Three beers at a time when they would only sell them <laughs> two. And Jason was trying to protect them from the cops. But then I think that was also the, uh, popcorn in the air. Game two, where we had all those kids in front of us, and they were we were their heroes because we were completely drunk throwing popcorn all over the place. So, you know, when you go to a mall game, you got to improvise, right? Probably the closest we've been to an arrest on a trip too, which I'm also proud to say we we've had no arrests, um, we've had no deaths. Yeah, I think that I think that between well, I think there have been three near arrests, and we we talked about two of them in the trip that made the theme song. So it was you on the fence. The White House, that was a near arrest. Uh, the, that was probably just going to be a fine. Certainly the van pulling out of Angola was a near arrest for all of us. <laughs> and then I think Chuck at that game was a was a near arrest for sure. Probably uh, Jean-Pierre passing out on the stage at the Zanzibar could have been. I think that was just an ass kicking that we avoided, not an arrest. <laughs> <laughs> so my, my, my other memory of Guelph was... Um, that it was unbelievably frigid cold after that game. And we were downtown and at the college town and there were just gaggles of late teen, early 20 year old girls in the most ridiculous short skirts, high heeled shoes. Just, it was so cold and they had so much exposed skin that I was like, wow, I just, I'm an old man. If this is, if this is what the kids do. I just would, I couldn't believe what was going on. It was, it was, it was interesting, but. You can tell we're all parents because we're like, oh my God, put a coat on. What's wrong with you? Well, You're we, catch your death. And the other thing I, we went, went to some bar that was, it was kind of weird where we had, it was like an old school, like when you picture, um, like I think about Philadelphia and you think about people who live in like the Rocky house where you, there's doors next to each other and you have to go up a steep slide, flight of steps to get to your apartment upstairs. It was a bar that I think we went to that yeah. was up this, and it was kind of one of those seedy looking places that didn't, it felt like, you know, I don't know, let's not stay here too long because we're weak Americans and these are tough Canadians. And this could not end well. As far as the, the, the highlights over 27 years is, is gotta be, um, 
London, I think wall to wall, the London trip was one of the best. I mean, outside of one of our people breaking their arm. Oh, that was good too. I mean, that was <laughs> really good for us. Um, and Peterborough, the, the one day in Peterborough, the Saturday, just all day, all night. And then, you know, starting at the curling club and, you know, who would have thought you'd have fun at a curling club, but we spent what, six, seven hours there, took part of the curling club to the game, had a box at the game, which was pretty cool. And went back to the curling club where we got to actually curl and we didn't die that night either. So that was pretty good. Yeah. I think that that was my, that's, that ranks in, that might be my high point as commissioner um, to get us back to the curling club and that I was totally willing to pay the price of the kilt um, to do that. Um, to, but to get this, get us back there on the ice, um, that was, I mean, I spent two periods of that game trying to talk her into it. And then it was like, come on, there's gotta be something I can do that gets us back on the ice. Cause she was, I think she was like secretary to Giselle was her name, which was a pretty cool French Canadian name. Um, and, uh, um, I think she was secretary of the or treasurer of the curling club. So she was an officer. And so when she said, uh, well, you got to go and you got to wear my kilt and, oh, you know, sans, you know, alfresco. I'm like, yeah, done. We're, we're, we're absolutely doing that. Um, and so that was kind of cool. And then I, I got, you guys have heard this story, but we're in the locker room and she's, it's, you know, I wasn't as fat as I am now, but I, I wasn't as skinny as she was. And so she's trying to get this thing on me with this gigantic safety pin. And these two guys walk into the locker room and they think something else is going on. <laughs> and, uh, is she on her knees trying to get this on you? Well, not on her knees, no. <laughs> <laughs> Hands not far from a compromising place. It was, gotcha. It was pretty funny. Um but yeah, and then I think, and then Tim, I think, uh, hold on a second. If I ever say Tim's name, we got to say this too. That's bullshit. Perfect. Uh, that's the, <laughs> um, Tim, I, I think what Tim was the one who tooted on the ice and everybody. <laughs> Tim, Tim also, toots a lot. Tim toots a lot. And then the yeah. other part oh, of that, you could, I'm sorry, get it, Kip. <laughs> and you could tell, I mean, there's certain people. That you know when they fart, it's like, okay, that's Tim. There's just a distinctive smell. He's got the worst of it. Uh, I'm not sure what um, he eats or what his digestive system's like, but definitely, uh, you know, it's Tim. I didn't get to go on the Peterborough trip. Um, I think that's one of the few years I didn't go. And uh, I just remember you guys talking about it um, after the trip and, and on future trips and stuff. And by far, I think um, you guys had like, the best time or, I mean, that's, I keep hearing you guys talk about it. And it's like, uh, I, that's the one trip I missed. <laughs> well, I mean, I think after drinking from, I think we got to the club at like 11. I mean, it was, it was breakfast and then what are we going to do? And I think Jerry said, well, we can, we can either go to the Canadian canoe museum or the Peter's let's tr we, the Peterborough curling club. Well, let's do that. And, and we had no idea they had a bar, which was just, genius and then all the gambling games we invented and having all the teams hanging out with us but i'm still astonished that after the curling club that was like dave said it was like six hours i think we left around six so we were there from 11 till about six went to the arena i don't remember anything about the game other than trying to convince the woman to try and let us go back and curl um 
going back and curling and then somehow getting home, somebody drove and I, I have this sick feeling that it was me because I think Jerry said, I'm not going back to the club. He, I think he was tired of the moral beacon thing at that point. Um, and I have a feeling that I drove home from the curling club to the hotel. Um, and then me and Dave McGrain and Tim, and I'm, I think that's it went to some Irish bar and started doing Irish car bombs at mm-hmm. like midnight. Mm-hmm. And that's when I ended up in your room on the sofa, Dave, because I couldn't get, I didn't even know where my room was. <laughs> and, and, and I just, okay, Dave's on the first floor and it was such a weird hotel. Um, it was a weird hotel. And, and then the next morning was absolutely the most hungover I ever was on an MHL trip, which is saying something. And you guys dropped me off at the Toronto airport and I had like three hours at the Toronto airport. I actually if, I just thought I was going to die. I mean, I just sat, I, I just had three hours alone at the Toronto airport thing. And I got a, you know, I, and I, I forget where I was flying through. I think it was Toronto to Detroit to San Diego, but Oh my God. Or no, it was back to San Francisco. That was, that would have been back to San Francisco and then an hour drive home. Jesus Christ, what a horrible day. That's, uh, <laughs> that, that was the best trip, but that was the worst Sunday. <laughs> So uh, back on the London trip, um, I know we drink a lot of beer on the trip, but the refreshing thing about the London trip was with that Saturday. Um, I'm sure it was Jack's idea was let's let's make margaritas instead, and and uh, he's like, well, first of all, we got to get these, got get oranges and and the fruit and stuff, and we he found these blood orange, um, blood oranges that were just fantastic, and got all the agree- ingredients. We took them back to the room and just made margaritas um and they were like obviously the best margaritas ever but that was a a nice change of pace from all the the beer that we drank typically yeah and then i had we so we yeah we played poker and drank margaritas all afternoon because it was like the worst like 33 degrees and sleeting and all that sort of stuff yeah and then i went over and we had two or i think two or three extra tickets because we had a box it came with mm-hmm. like 15 tickets and there were whatever it was, 10 or 12 of us, whatever it was. Um, that's the only time we ever done the damage to a van, by the way. Uh, we, we drove the van into a garage where the roof wasn't high enough. We scratched the crap on the top of the van. Oh, I did not know that. <laughs> I, I said we probably had that van four times and they still don't know about it. But, uh, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so then I, I remember walking back over to the arena um, just, completely annihilated and then actually i think i got i think i'm i got better than face value for the tickets which was astonishing which i think went into the kitty for the post dave kip and tim up to the hospital drinking piece after the game but but we almost got kicked out of the box right that was the chuck greg thing i think getting they were super loud and almost got it that was the second box we almost got kicked out of we almost got kicked out of the box at st michael's remember we because molson had a box near us and we decided to go crash the molson box yeah, I think we were trying to, weren't we taking beers out of the next box over or something? Exactly. We, were, we emptied ours yeah. out really quickly. As far as um, interesting things, I think the first time we found shuffleboard or shuffle puck, um, I think was that Toronto-Oshawa trip. I think we spent all day Saturday just playing shuffleboard, like round robin, in, the, in one of those bars, I think. I'm pretty sure that was the, the first trip we did shuffleboard, do you think? Was that, the, was that the place that had the music that Tim hated? 
because there was a Toronto trip where we were at some sports bar game thing that had house music that Tim was just. I think that was. I think that was the Toronto trip after because we tried to go find that other place and it was gone. (laughs) That was the guy who was selling us the Koran. That was you, Dave, trying to (laughs) buy the Koran off the. No, he. I thought he was passing out Korans or or something. Yeah. So I took a Koran and then I gave it to someone else. Pay it forward, I think is what they call that. <laughs> also, I think we, we talked a lot about the Omar trip uh, when we did this podcast on the song, so I don't know why we have to hit that one too much. Um, there was a Toronto trip where Dave and I had a really special experience um, aside from everybody else. I don't know how we got separated. I don't remember how that came about, but um, Dave and I ended up uh, walking up in it was Saturday morning to the uh, Toronto the Maple Leaf Gardens, where we were going that night to see a game. It was a Flyers game. That's That was the year that Glenn and his crew came out because it was a Flyers game. I remember one of his guys had some jersey on for some like minor league goalie that the Flyers had. But anyway, um, so Dave and I went up to the Maple Leaf Gardens, and we just walked right in. It was like 10 in the morning um, and sat in the stands, and we got to like this – that guy gave us like this history of – of the Maple Leafs gardens. And we tried to blend in with this youth hockey family thing. Um, and then we got a full on tour, um, and through the locker rooms and everything. And and I, in a very weak moment when I could have been a hero, I, as we were walking through the visiting team locker room, remember the guy was going through with the cart and had all the, just out of the laundry with all the flyers socks. I could have just reached right in and grabbed and I was like, and I didn't do it. I was like, if, you know, it's, it was, there were no beers in me at that point. And there was no courage built up. Um, we got through. Yeah, the- we, were, we were in Maple Leaf Gardens. We were in the gift shop in the beginning and we just kind of walked right. to the side and there were doors that led into the arena and we just walked in. I mean, that's right. That's right. <laughs> back in the day when no one monitored doors or anything and walked right in and there's a bunch of stuff going on and there's people there and we just sat down among them and then we were them. Yeah. We were part of it. We were part of the group and you end up stealing some guy's nameplate up in the press box. In the press box. Yeah. yeah so who well, did? remember they asked us if we wanted to skate on the ice and we thought that was taking it too far. <laughs> yeah, in retrospect, that was a huge mistake. We should have, we should have yeah. done that too, but really screwed up there. Yeah. So That was a good one. That was a good one. The other one I was going to mention uh, sort of as the an early ones, um, the Saturday in Ottawa before we went out to the game for the, the three-hour drive out to Canada, wherever the game was. But that was where we did that pub crawl thing. Um, and 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 it, it was a classic moment for me as our alleged doctor. When, remember, Greg was worried he was having some blood clot issues in his leg and was really nervous about it and, and asked you about it, Kip. And he's like, yeah, I could kill you. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> what do you ask you? Like, what's the worst that could happen? You're like, yeah, it could kill you. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what he said. He was like, I mean, really what I think he just got back from a ski trip or something. And I think he had fallen or something and bruised his leg. And it was just like massively swollen. Um, I'm like, yeah, Greg, did you get that checked out or anything? He's like, uh, he's like, nah, I, you know, it's getting better. I'm like, it's like, uh, you know, if it's a blood clot, you know, what's the worst thing that could happen? Well, you could die. Uh, <laughs> not the worst thing. Didn't slow him down. Didn't slow him. Yeah. Well, and then he had that moment in that, uh, wherever we went to so many pubs that, 
afternoon, but he had that moment where he was in the back room with the member of parliament. It was a professor guy, and he he said he was a member of parliament, which was a downgrade from being the senator previously in Washington. But um, right, but he was he was just in rare form, and that was that was a good after. And I I remember it was like. It was, you know, we were there in what, February or March, and it was beautiful weather. It wasn't too cold. We had this great walk all around Ottawa, which was a cool city. I'd never been there. I haven't been back. Um, but that was that was a good afternoon. And that was the only trip we've ever had an intern with us. Yep. The, that was the Goldschlager trip. And, Howard, you know, Howard's always breaking the rules. <laughs> so um, let me think. What else? Kitchener, we had a fire alarm. Dave, you didn't bother leaving the hotel, as I recall. Everybody else was outside in the freezing cold. Um, so we would have survived it, but that's pretty that's funny. It. That's the only thing I remember from that trip. Too. <laughs> that's the only thing I remember too. <laughs> Guess it wasn't. Yeah, I'm trying great. to. I'm trying to think of stuff on Kitchener. I can't. Kitchener was an unremarkable sure. trip. St. Yeah. Catharines was also kind of unremarkable, other than the girl at the uh, Irish pub drawing pictures in the foam of the Guinness. That was interesting. Um, that was talented. Yeah. Lansing was, uh, I remember that was, that was the Garver pee in the bag on the drive trip and then hooking himself up with buddies and Lansing for, for drugs. So that was kind of cool. Um, <laughs> and then, um, I, 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 I remember there was a crazy great shuffleboard game where I took a picture. There were three pucks hanging over the edge. Um, um at the end that was so, I mean, it's pretty sad when the, your memory of the trip is, is that, um, which trip was the uh, Flint Eastwood? Yes. It was Ann Arbor, right? Yeah, Flint Eastwood was Ann Arbor. So that was, yeah. So, okay. Uh, that was, uh, I don't know what they're doing. I don't think they survived as a band, but that was that was a cool where we, I forget how we did a kit, but we just sort of blew by the bouncer. We were in that basement bar and we went up the steps and I don't know, we waited for someone to, he turned away and we zipped by him or something. I just remember Ann Arbor, yeah. we were all walking on like four feet of snow. Everything, remember it was yeah. like, everything was like frozen solid and, um, and that was a Penn State game. I remember that was everybody was excited because it was Penn State against Michigan, and Penn State won the game, as I recall. But that was early on in the Penn State hockey program. Yeah, Princeton was cold. The no hockey Toronto trip was. Eh? That was the Bovine Sex Club. So, oh, the Bovine <laughs> yeah, Sex Club. Yeah, yeah, that was just yeah, that was just yeah. bar after bar after bar after bar. That's all that trip was. Walking ten miles. Yeah, through it was that a city. long walk. And then Annapolis yeah, was got cool. a. Annapolis was cool. That was our first Airbnb opera, our first Airbnb. So that's the new, uh, the new tradition. If we'll see how it goes, but it worked out well on Annapolis and Indy. So, um, but yeah, we're kind of running, we're, we're definitely running out of, uh, locations that have hockey teams that are in that drivable distance. So we'll, I think we're going to start thinking about hitting some of these places again, a second time. I think it's time for all of us to go to North Dakota. Yeah, it's on my. I, I got to check that state I, off. I got to check it off. I got to check off Rhode Island too, which is actually drivable. It's a long one, but it's drivable from Pittsburgh. I got to check that off too. So maybe there's there's got to be a minor league team in Providence, right? Providence Bruins, I believe. Well, there we go. Maybe that's a four day MHL trip. Leave on a Thursday. There we go. Start <laughs> stretching these out. Exactly. And pretty soon it's a cross country trip. All right. Well. Um, I'm trying to, so last thing, you know, we'll probably review the trips again because we're going to do this podcast for five more years. So we'll need content again, but I don't want to burn it all. But I'm, I was wondering, um, I'm going to throw you guys a curveball. So as, as we go through that period from, what it looks like 2004 to eh, 2017, 18, where we were doing mostly OHL, 
Um, some of the players we saw that uh, became the real deal or not that were expected to be gigantic. So my first rem- memory of a great player that we saw was Oshawa, and it was um, – uh, what's his name? What's Toronto? John right? Tavares. Yeah, John Tavares was Islanders. I remember Jerry scored for Jason a signed Tavares jersey, as I recall. Um, so he was. I, th- I he thought was like Jason 15 or waited in a line yes. after the game, got it signed by Tavares. It. Got a T-shirt signed. Yeah, we got something signed. Yeah, and it was. But Tavares was like fifteen or he was like the it was like yeah. the youngest you could be, and he was clearly the best player on the ice. So that was cool. He got that special exemption, and I know we saw Adam Hall. He was a really good player. Matt Stajan, Nail Yakupov. Nail Yakupov. Yep. He was going to be, was, he, he was, well, he was a, I don't know if he was number one overall, but he was super high draft pick. Super high. Yeah. Didn't, yeah, we saw Taylor Hall. Well, and we saw obviously Darnell Nurse. Um, Darnell Nurse, who's very disappointing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we saw, uh, did we see Doogie Hamilton or somebody like yeah, that? Yeah, we did see Doogie Hamilton. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where I forget who we played for, but yeah, we did see yeah. him. Um, so, anyways, yeah, we've seen our couple, share of couple goalies. There was a couple goalies we saw. I'm trying to think. Uh, trying to think in that St. Catharines. Don't remember. There was a goalie that was there. It was a Garrett Sparks. <laughs> so you know, we're sitting here and and we both we've we've ruined brain cells trying to figure out because we have this missing trip in 2001, and it occurs to me that it might be another Toronto trip because we went to a Marley's game. I don't remember if we went to a Marley's game with paired up with another game that weekend. I think we did. I think we did. I think it was paired up. Yeah. Oh, okay. Maybe that was the same Michael. All right. Well, so um, we did some damage on the trips here. Um, some good memories. So anyway, so moving past the trips, um, I wanted to sort of talk to you guys about and, and maybe start to brainstorm a little bit. So um, late in the past week, I think it was on Friday, the NHL and the players decided to stop talking about bullshit money stuff and actually try to figure out what they think a, a season might look like. And they're, they're kind of, from what I was, I was, I pay attention to, so I pay attention to TSN because it's the only place to really get any decent hockey reporting. And also, if you go on YouTube, there's this guy from, uh, um, He's not even cool enough to be in our league. That's how nerdy he is, but he's called the hockey guy on YouTube and he's from outside of Vancouver, but he posts like six, seven videos a day. Um, and so he's kind of interesting cause he pays really close attention. So I kind of think, you know, he's, you know, whatever he, he seems like he's relatively knowledgeable about, about all this stuff. And it's really funny cause he's got all these whiteboards behind him, and then he's got three cats on those little cat tower things and Anyway, he's got he, he's got probably four hundred jerseys. It's 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 very interesting. Anyway, does he have a wheel of Gretzky? I don't think he has a wheel of Gretzky, but I'm going to try and get him on the podcast. Um, but I think he's up to like one hundred seventy five thousand subscribers on YouTube. So that's one hundred seventy four thousand nine hundred forty more than us for this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, anyway, um, so I, I, I he's 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 us with a YouTube channel. Um, mm-hmm. but what the hell? Anyway, so it seems um, like there's some positive movement, and there actually being a hockey season um, this year, starting maybe in mid-January. I think they were talking about like a 52 or a 56 game season um, mm-hmm. for the NHL ending in July. Um, so it feels like an opportunity to me to completely change how we do the league and. Uh, and just do something completely different for a bullshit season. 
Um, and so I'm curious um, what you guys think about that. And so I'll just sort of throw out my, my concept would be um, to treat this season as if it's the first season of the league. And so it will be an open draft from the beginning, even with McDavid available. Um, and <laughs> he's the one guy who should not be available. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and then obviously I, I would keep track of who everybody has so that then when we get to 2021, 22, we can sort of go back to our old teams. Um, but sort of the wrinkle would be is that, you know, there were draft, there were trades made a bunch of trades made in 2019 for draft picks. So we'd have, kind of have to carry them forward to the next year. Uh, mm-hmm. draft and then also there are players that obviously are that were acquired because they were 19 who will have missed a season you know they'll have missed the ability to protect them so we'll have to figure out that piece and the other thing i was thinking about was which would come be kind of be interesting um would be that if instead of protecting four guys you protected three in the 21 22 draft then we would give you like a compensatory pick at the end of the first round so that you know, if your protection list bailed out after this weird season, you weren't you got at least some benefit from a guy that you would have protected that you ended up choosing not to protect. But anyway, so my idea would be for the coming season starting hopefully in January is that we just draft from scratch um, and then maybe we introduce a few different scoring categories. Um, just to see what it's like to do something maybe a little bit different. So I'm curious what you guys think about that. Absolutely. <laughs> can can uh, that, game misconduct be one of the scoring? Yeah, you can do. Categories? Yeah, you can give points for major penalty. I was I looked through it this morning. The the categories of points that we're not taking advantage of are literally more than dozens. Um, I mean, it's there's you can do. I mean, you can literally do time on ice, penalty minutes, save percentage. I mean, you, we could, we can, any stats you can think of, we can score. Um, and so if we wanted to just do something that's completely different, we could do something completely different and then return to form when the NHL returns to form. That's, that's sort we, of my thinking. Can we finally institute my goalie role of if you give up more than like four goals, you, you lose five points? No, no, no. That, 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 that might require an adjustment on my part, but um, you're right. Well, I mean, goal but, goal, anyway. but goals against, um, you know, I think it's going to be a bizarre schedule because what they're talking about is like teams would play a bunch of games in two weeks and then get a week off. Um, so roster size will be interesting. Um, yeah. And um, but anyway, so I, I but it's more about just the the idea of just if we're going to have this weird season, let's just do something weird ourselves and see, you know, maybe to see what it's like. Well, we, my guess is we'll like what we have, um, but it's an opportunity to see what, what else is out there and do something a little bit different. And I'd like to, I like, and I'd like to draw out of the hat and get Connor McDavid. I would, you know, I'm, I'm tired of having a bullshit center all, you know, for all these years. I've never had, I haven't had a good center since Lindros. Is Lindros a good center? He was for a few years. He was, <laughs> Before the concussions. Yeah, but I know there my name's on the cup more than yours from Lindra, so fuck you, dude. <laughs> <laughs> so so we're doing this as a video zoom, so you missed Dave's reaction on that one, but the corona almost hit the ceiling. <laughs> wow. Okay. I remember that. 
Yeah, it might be interesting in the first part of the year, um, you know, how the vaccine might play a role. And if, if there's no vaccine, the question of, you know, will it be COVID, you know, um, injury time for players and, and how that'll affect your roster and stuff like that. I think if, if the vaccines get out pretty early, I mean, obviously they're going to, the, the first tier of vaccines will go to professional athletes because they deserve it. Right. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> Otherwise then, we wouldn't have know, a podcast. So, <laughs> right. <laughs> so, you know, professional athletes, politicians, they'll get all their vaccine first and then, you know, eventually down the road, maybe some doctors and city managers, nurses and city managers. And so, you know, I think if everybody gets a vaccine, that'll be uh, pretty good and then probably have a pretty decent season. But I think if, if people are still getting out with COVID and missing games and stuff, um, might be a little challenging. Well, I think that if we, if we increase the roster size, so, so it could be a long draft. But if you increase the roster size and you add yeah. categories, if you add a if you added a penalty minutes category that was a positive score point scoring category, then that chain that adds a whole yeah. raft of players that we would never consider, right? So all of a sudden, um, I'm trying to think of I'm trying to think of an example. Anyway, we all know that there's these guys, these third line guys that chip in 10 goals in a normal season, but they get a hundred penalty minutes. So all of a sudden if their value is equal to a 20 goal scorer, um, you know, that makes the draft that much, so much deeper. And so you can have, you know, if we, cause I do think we would have to expand the rosters to, to do it. Um, but I think you're right, Kip. Is it this, I mean, just being, I, mean, I don't know if you, I, I don't know if you guys are in football leagues, but I mean, you know, the football league got into chaos last week because of the Ravens and the Steelers game getting pushed off. And I fucking traded for James Conner and he got COVID. So I can't play him now. <laughs> Thankfully it already clinched my playoff spot, but um, anyway, so yeah, I, I think you're going to have some depth on your roster. Um, you know, and actually, Oh God, I'm, I'm, I'm just, you know, maybe depends on how they set the schedule up, but maybe you change, you can change your, roster midweek right if or how we do the scoring periods i mean i guess what i'm what i'm saying is just i i'd kind of like to look at all the options and so it's roster size scoring categories and how long a game is so you know 50 you know a 52 game week season for them is not that you know that's 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 12 or 14 weeks i would think at least to get from january to july so end of the season would be what how long do the playoffs in a normal season? They usually, it ends the first week of April and then, you know, a Stanley cup at the end of May, early June. Right. So if they do it first week of July, that means the season's ending in the first week of May. So February, March, April, May, you got 12 weeks plus January. So you got 14 weeks of regular season. Um, I just think it'd be kind of cool to, to just completely reinvent the league for this weird season. Yeah. It's time to introduce a lot of new rules. Yeah. I mean, we can, I mean, hell, I mean, I don't remember how the scoring system went in the MOHL, but we can look at it, whatever it was. I mean, I had to do it by hand, so that's not cool, but for 16 teams. But I think you need to send out all the different categories that that site will calculate for you, and let's figure it out. You want to make this place a democracy, huh? No. No, Okay. I, no. just, I just figured the three I, of us would decide and then we would tell, we would do a podcast following up to saying, Hey, we've decided. <laughs> I, I've learned that this is not a democracy at all. So, and I'm, I'm perfectly happy with that. 
I right. love introducing rules that get shot down every year. Yeah. So, um, well, what rules didn't, what, what rule has been shot down that you're really bitter about? The goalie rule. I don't think so, a goalie should give up five goals and be able to get, get any point. points. Okay. I think they should get minus points at that point. I think we should introduce minus points like we do in baseball. If a pitcher gets shelled, he takes a big hit and your team takes a hit. So should a goalie. Okay. Well, so, well, so that's interesting. So you could put in a scoring system. Now the, the challenge with goalies has always been, it aggregates for the scoring period as opposed to the game, which is why right. we've kept the scoring system when the way we have. Right. Um, but in a weird season, why you could do a, a save percentage thing where if you, if your save percentage is, 90% to 90.5, it's X points. And then if it's under 88%, you start to lose points. You could certainly set up a a, a, a scoring system in the way this is set up, I think, to to give negative points for goalies that suck. The, the, the problem has always been with goalies is then the backups who get in one game a week can be more valuable than the starter because their risk of a negative is much less. Well, that's like people were uh, playing hurt left-handed relievers because they knew they'd get zero instead of minus points until you instituted a rule saying you couldn't play someone who's hurt. Right. And then, and then <laughs> the, the same policy. And then the commissioner said, you got, you got to let me know the guy you're playing is hurt because I'm not paying close enough attention to baseball to, to know right. that your left-handed relievers hurt. And I know I've done that a few times. <laughs> like that guy, he's been out for months. I think I've done that before, but not really realizing that I was even playing them. <laughs> it's a good strategy. Of Most people don't pay attention <laughs> oh, to shit, it. Shit, that guy's on the in whatever the base, the DL, right? The DL in baseball, not the IR, like it is hockey. All right, so we're agreed that whatever we do for the tw- for the COVID season um, is going to be different, and I think that includes um, divisional alignments. Um, yeah. Because I think you know, I, I did this with with baseball, you guys know that we, you know, we had a, we ended up playing two games every week to make the schedule feel like it made some sense, um, which is fine, but I think it sucks because if you have a really bad week in a short season, you're dead. Um, if you go, Oh, and four first two games, you're done. But anyway, so we have to figure out, um, how we align from a division and a conference basis. And, um, and maybe it's more, rotisserie styled where the the top eight scoring teams as opposed to the win-loss record i mean who knows right we can play it we can do all sorts of different things we don't have to do the head-to-head thing either um but trying to figure out how to do alignments of teams and um, all that kind of stuff Uh, i've never been a fan of rotisserie style because once you're buried you can't get out of it Um, right so you could throw everyone's name in a hat yeah. We could have a very special podcast where people might actually tune in to see. <laughs> All right. Well, so then the last thing I want to mention with you guys, because we're going like close to an hour now. Um, well, no. Whatever, what, what no one's going to hear is the 15 minutes in the middle when the Zoom crapped out. <laughs> um, anyway, um, the other thing that I was going to suggest as an idea for you guys to think about, and I'm catching you cold on this, but that's part of the fun of doing this, um, is – you know, the idea of, you know, doing a regular podcast is cool, but I was also thinking that it might be cool that we, um, we set up a regular time and I just do a, we set up a zoom thing and then whoever wants to jump on jumps on 
and that becomes the podcast that can become a podcast for the week. Um, and we just sit and we just talk and we put it out there. And so I'm sure some weeks, some, you know, Kip, you're allegedly a doctor, so your work schedule's weirder than the rest of ours. But, um, you know, so you might not be able to make all of them, but other folks might be able to jump in and are out. Um, and I think that'd be kind of fun to, it's sort of like the prodigy nine o'clock on Sunday night thing. Um, but instead we just, uh, and then we just do it as, you know, I record it obviously here and then I put it out there as a podcast and everybody can hear it. And, you know, maybe, you know, if they realize what they're missing by not doing it, we could end up with 10 or 15 of us uh, getting together every once in a while. Um, and, and having a cool little fun conversation in which in the zoom is always very chaotic, but what the hell? So I was going to, I was thinking, what do you guys think about that? Love it. Love it. Good idea. Done. Well, you're the commissioner. We're not going to say no. <laughs> Please say no. Not a democracy. Not a democracy. All right. So um, we've decided that the, the upcoming season is not going to be a typical MHL season. And so um, I, uh, I, w- I, would, I would commit to we're doing this on Sunday the 6th. I would commit to getting stuff out tonight. Um, but I have to go and um, pick up my mother-in-law at the airport who's decided to come back to COVID-soaked Southern California from central Pennsylvania from tonight. So got to go get her. So it'll be a day or so, um, but I'll send some stuff out to the league, um, try to get the podcast out here today, um, send some stuff out to the league with um, some ideas on scoring and things like that. But I think introducing penalty minutes, negative goalie, um, I don't want to do plus minus because that just benefits mostly the guys that are already getting goals and assists anyway. Mm-hmm. So maybe finding some categories that, that create depth in the um, lineup. So maybe some third and fourth line guys become draftable. Um, and then, you know, I'll get what well, you guys will say fine. Um, and then four other people might respond and then we'll just do it. But anyway, that's the game plan, I suppose. And then Tim will call bullshit. And then Tim will call bullshit. Perfect. All right. Well, thanks, guys. Um, have uh, have a good rest of your Sunday. So uh, thanks for doing it again, and uh, be uh, letting everybody know. There's, I, as I said in the beginning of the podcast, this is a two part podcast. The second part's coming up where um, you're all regaled on the exciting excursions the MHL trip went on this past month. So anyway, uh, we'll take a little break here. I'll play some Flynn Eastwood in between. And then we'll get into part two. So thanks. All right. Well, that was, that was fun. That was pretty cool. Um, so that was a, a good trip down memory lane. Um, and, uh, there was more of that to come, right? So we've got lots of history we can all, uh, remember 
Um, so anyway, uh, I did say in, at the outset that there was going to be a, a two-parter to this one. So here's the second part. Uh, and uh, like I said, as you know, um, when I tend to win the cup, which hasn't been all that infrequently, thank you very much, um, that um, I try to make sure that uh, the cup gets around. Um, so um, having been a, a co-champion this year with the uh, Angola Farts, I still have to go get the cup uh, engraved. Uh, I think that um, we agreed that we would. Did we call it? Did we decide that we would engrave it as the flaming farts or the Angola Caucasians? I think it was the flaming farts. But uh, oh shit, I don't remember. Anyway, uh, I still got to go do that. But anyway, um, so uh, I did a, uh, for those of you that uh, are with me on Facebook, and actually pay attention. I know that's not very many. Um, I decided uh, here back in November to defy all of the um, the health orders and gu- guidance of various, well, Saint Gavin as we call them here, uh, various government officials, and embark on a on a little bit of an excursion. Uh, the reason for it really was is that Jenny's mom, who lives with us, uh, decided that uh, she wanted to go back to central Pennsylvania to her son's place in Huntington County um, for Thanksgiving. And so on Thursday, November 12th, uh, I dropped Jenny and her mom off at the airport in San Diego, uh, first thing, very early in the morning, um, for them to catch a flight to Harrisburg that day. Um, then uh, I then took the uh, my car, my car and dropped it off at the parking structure. It's amazing. You know, we all think about all the businesses that uh, have uh, gotten crushed in all of this. Um, and I hadn't been to an airport since we, since Shay came back from, or we dropped Shay off and at the airport in June to go back to Mississippi, but we didn't have to park. We were just dropping her off. Um, the, just the, the desolateness of the parking lots around the airport here in San Diego, which are just usually full to the brim. Um, but anyway, digressing. Um, uh, so I ended up, I went and parked my car, found, found an open lot, uh, parked the car, went to the rental car place and I started East. Um, and the goal was to, uh, six days later, uh, pick up Ginny at the Charlotte, North Carolina airport. Um, so I had my, my five, six days of, uh, driving across the country on my own, great new appreciation for truck drivers and what they do to, to do that kind of a thing for a job. And um, I'm sure you get used to it just like anything else, but just on the road all day by yourself. Um, you, you can only listen to the MHL potting in the corner podcast so many times. I mean, I drove our listenership up so much because I listened to the, the section of the, uh, the theme song several times because I still laugh every time I, I, I play it. But anyway, so our listenership is skewed because if I'm, if, if, well, I don't know if I do it on my phone. I think I'm I'm not a I'm a unique listener, uh, only one time because I don't know if it registers every, each time someone listens to it as a as a unique listen or if they know that that person um, has listened before and it doesn't count them up. Actually, I should probably go look at that at the analytics on that. But anyway, um, so I started east. Uh, started the trip off first by getting the pick cup uh, picture taken. Uh, on the water here, uh, right on the bay here in San Diego, had a nice sunrise shot over the San Diego skyline with the bay in between the cup on a rock and the bay in between uh, downtown San Diego and then the, the sunrise in the distance. Uh, very cool opening shot. And then I started east uh, and I tried to employ the rules of the 
um, our cross country road trips, the larger ones we did in 2017 and 2019, um, as much as I could in a COVID environment, which kind of eliminated a lot of the, you know, kind of the independent restaurant kind of a thing, because, you know, obviously eating in is a difficult task in a lot of places. Though I have to say, once I got to Texas, uh, from Texas to Georgia, life was seemed pretty normal to me in terms of all that stuff. But anyway, um, so I started East and, uh, uh, from San Diego and first thing in the morning, got the cup picture there at the harbor at the, at the bay, um, figuring that then I would bookend the trip, hopefully a week later, uh, with a sunset picture on the beach where Jenny and I were eventually going to end up, which was on Tybee Island, Georgia, east of Savannah. Very cool place. Um, already have, uh, decided that my retirement plans are summers in Driggs, Idaho and winters in Tybee Island, Georgia. Um, so we'll see if that actually comes to fruition. I doubt it, but anyway, one can dream. Uh, anyway, so started east and tried to uh, avoid the interstates as much as I, I possibly could. I didn't bother going through California because I've been across California enough times on the on the back roads that I didn't need to really. I knew what I knew what I was going to see, which was basically desert that I'll see from the interstate eight anyway. But as soon as I got to Yuma, I got off the interstates, uh, and uh, I probably um, I would guess that seventy uh, percent of my time from uh, San Diego to Charlotte was spent on two lane roads and probably between, you know, somewhere between, you know, average 15% maybe on interstates and maybe 15% on, uh, four lane non-interstate highways, you know, you know, and some of the interstate time was, you just had to do it because, you know, the U S route paired up with an interstate, you know, through Amarillo, I can recall that happening. I think through Monroe, Louisiana that happened, but anyway, um, nevertheless, I tried to avoid, uh, uh, the main interstates as much as I could. So um, first day didn't really have any great picture opportunities, but the second day I got a really, I think, nice picture of the cup up in northern New Mexico mountains with the snow all around. Um, and then uh, a day later, um, yeah, the next day, so I spent a night in, so where I stayed, in case you're curious, I stayed in Flag or Staff. I'm, I'm always lost on uh, what uh, Howard says the proper a nickname for Flagstaff is, but I, I stayed in one of those two places, Flag or Staff, first night. Um, actually drove by the house that uh, Chris is Howard. What's his name? Howard or Chris? I forget. Anyway, his sister's house that uh, we all stayed in on our 2017 road trip. Um, and I uh, saw the A-frame from, was it Interstate 15, I think, uh, coming in the Flagstaff and beat my horn, but I'm sure they didn't recognize my truck or my rental car, actually. They wouldn't even recognize my truck. Um, and then the second night I spent in Taos, New Mexico. So I had a nice, uh, mountain drive, uh, over, uh, to the mountains, um, from north of say Santa Fe over to Taos. Um, that was probably the only part of the trip, interestingly enough, where I paired up highways with our 2017 road trip, crossed paths once, once I think. Um, but, uh, actually it was on the same road for maybe 10 or 15 miles. Um, and the guys are on that trip will recognize that that was the place we stopped in some town coming out of S Santa Fe, um, that had teepees and we were trying to get pictures of teepees. And so I, uh, the teepees weren't there. Uh, they probably put them away for the winter. Um, but, uh, <laughs> anyway, so I was down that road again for a brief amount of time. Uh, and then the next night I spent in, uh, Wichita Falls, Texas, which was a pretty cool town, nice downtown. Um, got the cups picture, uh, I think I got two cup pictures there. I got one in front of the, um, professional wrestling hall of fame. Unfortunately due to COVID it was closed. Uh, so that was a little disappointing. Um, but anyway, I got, you know, so the cup got its picture at the front window of the professional wrestlers hall wrestling hall of fame. 
Um, and then also in front of what are, what Wichita Falls bills as the tiniest skyscraper in the world. Um, so I got a picture there. So it was kind of a dirt, uh, a drought of, uh, of cool road art on this picture, but Wichita Falls revealed a couple things and there were a couple other things that weren't, weren't too bad. Uh, next night didn't get any cup pictures, uh, spent the night in Vicksburg, Mississippi, got to see my kid, had dinner with her. That was cool. Cause I hadn't seen her since June. Um, and then the next day, um, I did, and I didn't think it was right. Um, you know, as, as honorable as the MHL and the cup is, I, I didn't think it was right to go put the cup on top of a cannon at Vicksburg national military park. Uh, and then the next day I drove from there and went to the Shiloh military park, uh, up in, uh, Southern Tennessee, unbelievably beautiful place. If you're ever out and about and you're into some, you know, even if you're not into the battlefield stuff, that that just that place is just unbelievably beautiful and it felt like i had the whole place to myself so that was cool but in between i think there was a real highlight for the cup so i stopped in oxford mississippi and uh, went to the university of mississippi did a little drive around tour uh sorority row was pretty cool um and it was very warm that day so that was nice uh and then um uh did a little walking tour of another part of campus and came across the uh, walk of champions uh, for right by the football stadium and it had a pretty cool sign and a little brick walkway. So the cup now has its picture properly placed, I think under the, under the walk of champions sign. Um, and so I think that'll be eventually, uh, the, 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 the picture, the graphic I used to, uh, for, uh, the podcast here. I think the current ones, it looks like it's from 1994 cause I think that picture was taken in 1994. Um, so I'll upgrade that, uh, here, uh, soon. Um, but that was a cool picture, and uh, then I didn't think it was appropriate to take a picture at Shiloh either. Uh, and I think I might have taken a picture uh, two days later up uh, on the top of the mountain in the Great Smokies National Park, which is kind of disappointing. It's beautiful, but it was brown and freaking cold and windy. And, uh, you know, Ralph, uh, who who was on Facebook, you know, could have easily told me that I was really close to Clemson uh, and uh, didn't, so. Book Ralph. Exactly. So anyway, I ended up texting with Ralph the next day or two days later and said, Hey, where's Clemson? Um, cause I just, I don't know why I didn't know idea where it was. And, um, I thought it was, I always assumed it was like near Columbia or down towards the coast or something. And, uh, it turns out when I was in Chattanooga heading to Charlotte, it would have been very easy to drop down and get the cups picture picture taken at Clemson. And, you know, Ralph's only had it a couple times in 30 years and he's never gotten it down to Clemson. So that would have been nice. Um, but couldn't pull that off. Anyway, uh, so, um, then picked up, uh, stayed and spent a night in Chattanooga or outside Chattanooga. And then, uh, next night outside of Charlotte and picked up Jenny the next day. And then we drove four hours down to Tybee Island, Georgia, which is absolutely gorgeous. It's about 25, 30 minutes, I suppose, east of Savannah, right on the coast there. Um, and, uh, bookended the pictures, uh, of the cup, uh, uh, with a sunset picture of the cup on the beach. Uh, so the, the coast to coast road trip, uh, the, the cup spanned it. Um, and so that sort of took care of the road trip part. And then, um, later in the, before the last night we were there, I decided I, you know, I always want to experience, you know, give the cup new experiences. And so no one's ever said that they've ever had the cup on the beach with a beer in it. And so I decided, uh, to go out in the moonlight. Um, and it was just a gorgeous night. Um, it was great stars. It wasn't Idaho or Montana stars, but it was pretty great stars. And, um, and had a beer out of the cup in the moonlight on the beach. 
Um, and that was pretty cool. Even you know, I got the pictures, uh, they didn't turn out so great, but I can, but there's a, there's a picture of the cup in the, on the beach at night. So, and you have to trust me that there was beer in it. And then, uh, to sort of end the, the cups, uh, story for this road trip, uh, the next day or the day we were leaving, which was a Sunday, uh, we were driving from Tybee Island and we were going to spend the night outside of Atlanta by the airport so that we could fly home the next day. And, uh, kind of a funny one I drove, we, we took the long way. And on, you know, on the back roads and we went to Augusta cause I wanted to, you know, sort of like the Fort Stockton Roadrunner. I just, you know, drove out of the way to try just so I could get a picture of the, and I was hoping to get a picture of the cup with the uh, sign at Augusta National Golf Course. Um, and, um, I got a picture of the sign of Augusta National Golf Course and I was hoping to just pull in quickly into the driveway, jump out, put the cup on the hedge that's under the sign, grab a picture, um, but it was pretty clear to me when I pulled into the driveway that they didn't want me to pull into the driveway and that if I got out of the car, I might not get back in the car, but I might get a ride in an ambulance somewhere. Um, so I got a quick picture of the Augusta national sign through the windshield. So the cup was there. It just can't prove it, but I have the sign, the picture of the sign. Um, so anyway, you'll have to trust me that the cup was in my hand <laughs> as I was holding the phone up with my hand on the door saying, yeah, it's probably not a good idea to do this. Um, and then lastly, for uh, the cup on that trip, we went to Athens, Georgia, went to the University of Georgia, walked around campus, very cool campus, just like Mississippi was, and uh, got a picture of, uh, of course, got a, found a good bulldog to put the cup on its head and get a picture of that. So anyway, the cup uh, got around as it has in the past. Uh, it also uh, made an appearance this past summer in Portland, or not in Portland, in Oregon. May have, I, don't think, I don't know if they took a picture of it in Portland, but Kip and Chuck were in Oregon. Oh, there's my phone. It's not supposed to happen in a podcast. Uh, hold on a second. Who is it? Nope. Don't need to answer that one. Who's my boss? Um, anyway, um, so, um, so yeah, so the cup uh, made an appearance uh, up in Oregon at uh, B- uh, Bandon Dunes Golf Course, uh, sorted other things uh, this past summer. So even in the COVID year, uh, it gets around. Um, was it uh, last year? Was it last year or the year before last? I guess it was the year before last. It uh, um, it got to Torrey Pines Golf Course, so I thought it'd be pretty cool if it had been to both Augusta, you know, obviously Masters, and then Torrey Pines, which is the U.S. Open site. Occasionally, um, I thought I was thinking that it might have been at St. Andrews when I was in Scotland, but I don't have any pictures of it there, so maybe not. Um, but you know, the cup's been to the Coliseum in Rome. It's been to, Oh, that's where that's, I knew there was another picture I forgot about. So, um, on our two seven, 2017 road trip, we came down through Paris, Texas, North to South heading from, uh, uh where we were, uh, that we left that morning, Springfield, Arkansas in route to Austin, Texas, where we were staying that night. Anyway. So on this trip, I went through Paris, Texas, uh, West to East. So that's where the paths crossed. Um, and, uh, so in 17, we of course got a picture, uh, that was me, Kip, Dave, and uh, Chris Howard, um, got a picture of the Eiffel tower with the cowboy hat on top of it in Paris, Texas, which is, you know, it's, 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 it's cool. Um, so anyway, I had, we, but neither of us were uh, NHL champions at the time, so we didn't have the cup with us. Uh, so it seemed since I was going through Paris, it was obligatory to go back, uh, to the uh, Eiffel tower in Paris, Texas and get a picture of the cup with the tower, which I did. Um, and, um, so, uh, I got that done and, um, so yeah, so the cup's been to now, uh, uh, you know, the Eiffel tower in, in 
Paris, which was, you know, was fine, but doesn't have a cowboy hat on it. Um, and then, you know, and it's also been to the, um, oh, oh, I can never say it, the German, uh, the Nuschischwein Castle, which is the apparently the model castle in Bavaria that Disney's, uh, Disney World, Disneyland castles are, mod, you know, are, are designed after. Um, so it's been to some pretty cool places. Um, and uh, so I just wanted to let everybody know that. And um, anyway, so uh, I think that's it for this one. Um, I'm not sure uh, when we'll do another one, but it, you know, I, as we talked with uh, Dave and Kip, it, it seems like there's some forward momentum at the NHL level to get a season going here sometime in January. Uh, there was, you know, seem more optimistic uh, even today on, Hey, with that, um, take it easy. Have a good uh, early part of December. And um, I've got some ideas for uh, how we can expand the podcast a little bit and some other things. Um, and also, um, um, other ways of capturing some of our history, even if I did a really shitty job, uh, like uh, unlike Ralph and maintaining the statistical history in the league. Um, but we do have a lot of history um, and pictures and stuff from all the places we've been. So anyway, everybody has a good uh, weekend and all that good stuff and talk to you soon.